where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We're back. It's part three of this finale trilogy. It's, of course, Strange Bedfellows part three. This episode aired on the 15th of May, 1986. It was the 26th episode of season four, written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs. I am James, not of the Burroughs. And I am John, also not of the Burroughs. What an episode, James. What a finale, not just of this trilogy, but of the season. So where to start? Cold open? I think the cold open's a good place to start. Previously, when there's been like a a one and two part, uh, and now a three, there's always been a really nice catch up. And it was something that we missed in the last episode. And it was nice that they tried to work a little bit into this cold open. It's Woody leaving a message for his parents. It's been a while since we've heard a message for the Boyds. And he's leaving a nice message for them just to recap about how Sam's dating this politician and Diane's left. We'll play it. Hi folks, this is your son Woody. Boyd, Um, but enough about me, you know, things have been getting really crazy around Cheers lately. Remember I told you that Sam is going out with this real pretty politician lady named Janet Eldridge? Well, things are still going hot and heavy. Oh, Miss Chambers quit. Yeah, I think this stuff between Sam and Miss Eldridge finally got to her. Anyway, she says she's never coming back in here again. Gee, I'm going to miss her. Well, uh, that's it. Bye. That's nice. Nice to get a little catch up before we jump into the review of the final episode of this season. And then he plays it back. And it sounds, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds different. We shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. And uh, that's the Dunkirk speech, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it might have been. Doesn't really seem too phased by it. You know, it's true. Your voice does sound different. Yeah, and all the words change as well. Woody had no idea he was so inspirational. And those historians out there, would have, that's not a speech by Woody, either Boyd or Harrison, but actually a speech from Winston Churchill uh, at the House of Commons on 4th of June, 1940. Why it was on Woody's answering machine, who knows? <laughs> And that sets us up for the uh, the beginning of this episode. When we go into the main part, we see uh, a very classic Cheers scene where Norm comes into the bar and gets asked how he's feeling today. He says, poor. Woody says, I'm sorry to hear that. And he goes, no, I mean, poor. Pour me a drink. We find out from Norm that the continuing saga with Vera's sister and his sister-in-law has continued to go carry on in, in the house. Who's been described as an exhibitionist sister? Clothes very much optional. <laughs> The news of this week is Vera's actually had to go and visit her aunt who's ill, which has meant Norm has been left in the house. With the temptress. The, the siren, as we found out last week, which has left Norm in a hard place, so he's, he's come to Cheers. Seems logical. I mean, Cheers is basically where he lives anyway. Diane comes back to... After a grand farewell last week. She's back. Ugh. She's already back within the first two minutes of the episode. Back at the bar. And I think there's a... There's quite a nice little dig from Carla, which is kind of like, we've got a right to refuse service to skinny ex-waitresses with bad hair dyes, (laughs) Uh, to which Woody asks if they can make an exception just this once. Because he's sweet-natured like that, isn't he, Woody? Mm. Diane's looking for a a chat with Sam and wants to wait in his office for him to arrive. Yeah, because she wants to admit that she eavesdropped on the conversation which got her, or which led to her being fired. Mm. I think eavesdrop's kind of a harsh term because I don't think she explicitly eavesdropped. The conversation happened 
while she was there. Yeah. And when she was hiding, she overheard the conversation and she wants to admit that she overheard it. Mm. I don't really understand her frame of mind. Coming back to the bar, she gets told that Sam's upstairs at Malville's with Miss Aldridge. And Diane goes, oh, I'll wait in Sam's office where surely only Sam will arrive. Yeah. Clearly they both come down to the office. I don't get why uh, Diane seems surprised when uh, they both do come into the office. Yeah. Uh, and this is the thing, you know, she wants, she's told Woody that she accidentally eavesdropped and then Woody leaves her in the office. But she doesn't admit this to Woody at first. She says that she's come to drop off a letter or something. And then Woody leaves her in the office and then she's about to leave. But then Sam and Janet comes in. So she has to hide under the desk because that seems like the logical thing to do. Now this is eavesdropping, I would say. But she overhears uh, a conversation between Janet and Sam about the future of their relationship. Yes, and Janet's like, hey Sam, are those wedding bells? No, Janet, I don't hear wedding bells. No, Sam, I hear wedding bells, maybe. Or more accurately, and it's because Janet is quite calculating, she suggests that the public would be interested to know whether Sam and Janet would be getting married at some point. So she phrases it more as the public opinion as opposed to her own insecurity, though she does admit that that is part of it. And I really admire her as a character because... She's both honest, but scheming at the same time. And she puts enough of her own faults while coming up with these schemes that people trust her because, you know, she opens up just enough for people to go, oh, no, she's being vulnerable and doing this. And yeah, a very intimidating and powerful character in her own right, but also as a rival to Diane. Yeah, I think I think it's quite an interesting sort of dynamic which is set up because the reason why they're up at Malville's is because she's telling Sam what he can and cannot say during the press conference that they're going to have later. Teaching him how to give politicians responses. Yeah, and we see a bit of that later on because surprise, surprise, you're going to have a press conference. Where are you going to have it, James? In a bar, obviously. And having cheers. We've got that to look forward to later in the episode. But meanwhile, it's this eavesdropping. Diane's being nosy. Janet is kind of pressuring Sam into thinking about marriage possibility. And she is getting a little concerned. And I think Janet, you know, for herself is only getting a little concerned in terms of how Sam responds to her, because she asks what his intentions are. And this is fuel for Diane's fire, isn't it? Mm. Diane's under the desk going, ah, delightfully devilish, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> and they leave and, and Woody comes in. He comes in and goes, where's Diane? And Sam goes, where, how would I know where Diane is, Woody? <laughs> Stupid question. And he goes, she was waiting. And Sam gives him this look. And uh, Woody, ooh, he's, he's suave here, isn't it? How he diverts the question. She came in here to wait. She what? Yeah. <laughs> wait on uh, ta- tables here and cheers. <laughs> and you fired her and... And you know the rest. Of which Sam thanks him for the recap. (laughs) I really like this moment. And I think it was kind of potentially slightly, I I said this kind of in the last episode, there was like a nod of when Diane came back being maybe slightly self-referential. It felt like this was almost a little recap of how Woody recapped the episode in the cold open. But I did, I did like Woody's quick thinking and how it was to protect Diane. And his also, his sort of comment afterwards saying like, I've saved you this time, but you know, snooping's bad. You got to break this habit you got a real problem. To which Diane responds, because she wants to know when she can leave the office without Sam seeing her leave the office. She goes, can you tell me when Sam's in the bathroom? 
And Woody goes, oh, it's worse than I thought. (laughs) He's definitely settled in, hasn't Mm. he, Woody? When he first came in, we were like, this person isn't coach. We don't know what to make of him. We're fond of him now. And dare I say it, I think he has quickly caught up to coach in terms of how fond we are of him. I know coach was your personal favorite character, and this is Mm. something we may discuss in our season four review, but Woody has definitely found his place for me. Totally agreed. Whilst Diane does come back to the bar, we also get a little bit of an update in her working situation. Cliff regards that her and Norm are the same, both out of work, and she says, I've got a job. Kind of says she's a bit in between things, and she's working at Hurley's Market, where uh, we found out last week is a good hotspot to get some uh, cocktail sausages. Probably seeing Norm there quite a few times having to kick him out after he takes over a dozen just stuffing his pockets with cocktail sausages my logic is if you have pockets they're for holding things things not snacks things there's a a key line there snacks are things snacks are a specific type of thing You mentioned a little bit about how Woody and Coach have been quite... Woody settled in, but he carries a lot of the same sensibilities as Coach. In this episode, he talks to Diane about how her and Sam, he thinks, make us a much better couple. He describes them as his favourite people in the world, and then starts to then rank them lower than other people. But the sentiment feels very similar to uh, sentiments that Coach had, especially Coach, he makes three episodes like that, where it was the three of them, and they were quite sort of sweet, wholesome little episodes. So I think that's definitely something which has been carried forward through the season. But like you say, we'll talk about that more in our season review in in two weeks' time. Exactly. And that would be our 100th episode, Exciting Times. Anyway, let's continue with our 99th episode. We alluded to earlier, there is a press conference in the bar, James. The place is kitted out. There's a lot of people in there. There's a lot of people because they want to hear what Miss Eldridge has to say. And whether she says anything about Sam, I think she will. (laughs) And whilst the bar is packed out, do you think this is a good chance to uh, have a list of who's been in the bar this week? Yes, we've got Kate Mulgrew as Janet Eldridge delivering another great performance in this final part of this trilogy. David Paper as Phil Schumacher, Steve Gianelli as Steve, Alan Coss as Alan, J.J. Wall as reporter number one. He also appeared in New Heart, Blossom, Arrested Development and others but is primarily known as a producer of the John Larroquette show, Grace Under Fire, Till Death, and others. We also had Lawrence Lott as reporter number two. He had the same role in part one of this trilogy. Sheila Scott Wilkinson as reporter number three. She also appeared in Hill Street Blues, Knots Landing, Simon and Simon, and many more. Richard Neal gave an uncredited performance as a newscaster's voice. This was his film TV debut. He also appeared in Deep Space Nine, Melrose Place, Entourage, Veronica Mars, The Bold and the Beautiful, The Muppets, Horizon Zero Dawn, Life is Strange 2, LA's Finest, and many more. And uh, there was one other person who didn't appear, but we heard in this episode. Who was that? Your boy, Winston Churchill. Oh, of course. (laughs) Yeah, little known character, Winston Churchill. Uh, He was a prime minister of someplace. I tell you what, though, James, uh, Woody does a perfect little quote to summarise this. Cameras, reporters government officials to think only a few short months ago i was back in indiana pumping suds for a bunch of bozos <laughs> it's come a long way you know with all of those reporters in the bar there must have been some good questions going back and forth very political questions i imagine you know no fluff questions nothing about like oh how the how the red Sox going to do or anything like that, that they must go straight straight to the politics this is cheers we're serious whether the uh, red Sox do well or not uh is, is not the point. I think they're going to bring a lot of money into uh, this city and that can do nothing but uh, help the tax base of our fair city. There's a quick little thing that we forgot to mention. 
five minutes before the conference started, a woman came in with a rather large hat. <laughs> was this Diane? It was Diane in a disguise. She was also wearing a nice flowery dress. It felt like a very classical style. It was like a 50s, 60s dress, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she sat facing away from the uh, the stage so no one could see her face for a reveal, which will happen later on. A little known fact about this trilogy started on episode 24 of this season. There was a month gap between episode 23 and episode 24 airing as though to prepare people for this whirlwind adventure in this trilogy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting one. We talked a little bit throughout the, the past three episodes about Sam's sort of rise through the social ladder. Now he's become a bit of a, a socialite. And we talked a bit about, obviously, the question, how are the Boston Red Sox going to do this season? And the, the question gets referred to Sam. And I think what's quite interesting is how seriously and unconfidently Sam answers the question, where he kind of jabbles about whether the Red Sox win or, or not isn't the point it will generate a good good amount of money for the economy of the local area which she might be true but it's not what people want to hear well it's not what people want to hear but it's not it's not him either to me that that felt like a a really sort of weird moment where it became a a very sort of it's quite robotic wasn't it yeah normally when we've seen him in points of where he's uh, in the limelight he's often very confident if he's ever asked about the red sox he'll say how well they're doing and how they're going to win he was put at unease, wasn't he? And it was the first time he felt out of his element with Janet. But it's also kind of like uh, his priorities of like, because the Red Sox were kind of a thing, you know, his first love maybe. And he's kind of dismissed that it doesn't really matter either way. Yes. Yes, I see your point. Yeah. For a sportsman, that feels a bit strange, you know? It does. And then uh, Janet just says, I think what he's trying to say is uh, they're going to make it in. Which again, is just a very clever play from her. Mm. Everything she's doing is positioning herself as the alpha. Then we get a, a, a twist in the play of hands, you know, from a question from the mysterious woman with the big hat. <laughs> you, mysterious <laughs> big hat woman. <laughs> hey, I think that's Diane. Oh, no, no, it's clearly not Diane. This woman has a big hat. There's quite a good exchange when she asks a question where, is it Phil? Campaign manager. Diane tries to ask a question. And he tries to shut it down saying it's press only. Again, a professional, very professional of him. The responses from Diane, where she goes, I'm sorry, I thought this was America. They didn't like that, did they? (laughs) That was where the the power play of, I think Janet realised she kind of has to let Diane ask a question after that. Yes, yes. Particularly because the reporters are like, yes, this is America. (laughs) So that that power shift there. And then I think what, what was quite interesting as well was the thing which stumped Janet wasn't, we saw two episodes ago, Diane ask a very politically charged question and Janet was very well prepared for it. This time she asks the question which she had a little bit of intel after hiding under a desk to ask, are there wedding bells in the future for Sam and Janet? And it's a personal question, not a political one, yeah. And and that's where they sort of fall apart on stage and it becomes a bit of a, a farce. It does, exactly. Particularly because they Diane whips out a weapon. Well, yeah, I want to I get onto that as well. We'll properly analyse that, James, don't worry. Of course, it's the water pistol in a very similar spot in the bar. It was when they were dating. We saw them very playfully enter the bar with water pistols and Diane found the water pistol again in his office when she was there before. But now she's spraying him from the crowd. And they're becoming quite childish again, but this time in a, a, a sort of childish argument where they're pulling faces. And Janet's having none of it. She's getting quite embarrassed by Sam, to be honest. And I would too. Yeah. My PR stunt sports playing romantic partner was just there making faces. Well, I'm trying to do serious politics. <laughs> then <laughs> get 
that's what Sam does. Eventually, he comes to his senses and goes, get out of my pub, said Diane. <laughs> he, he went all cockney for some reason. <laughs> but it does lead to quite a serious question, a serious conversation between Janet and Sam. And uh, Janet says that he lied when he said he had no feelings for Diane. When clearly you do, Sam. Liar. She kind of forces his hand a bit, doesn't she? She says, until you grow up and are ready to make a commitment, then this won't be working. You're not taking me seriously. You're not taking my job seriously. Goodbye. And Diane's left as well because she got her revenge with her weapon at a press conference. She (laughs) shot Sam down. And also when she was leaving, she did a kind of flirtatious thing, but it was almost slightly femme fatale as well, where she grabbed his tie and pulled it (laughs) through the door and cheers. So he was stuck in the door as though he was stuck between two worlds. The thing which got me is why didn't he open the door? Yeah, that would be the simple thing to do. (laughs) It ends the uh, the season with this kind of up in the air, what's Sam going to do? Who's he going to choose? You know, these women in his life has left him and... Uh, he says he thinks he's screwed up his life. Uh, he's pushing 40 and, and what's he got to show for it? And it kind of brings back things from a few episodes ago where... Dark imaginings. Yeah, yeah where someone's looking out of a window wistfully contemplating life. And Woody even compares this to himself where he says, you know, Sam, there's this girl in my building and if I was a young single guy, I would... And then he runs off. <laughs> that leaves Sam alone in the bar pretty much and he, he picks up the phone and he makes a call he utters those four words oh what the hell will, will you marry me he pops the question but we don't know who to and that's how they end this season quite the cliffhanger and we're going to discuss that even more in our season four review we'll pick it apart put it back together again like a jigsaw puzzle on repeat there's the trivia about the last one of the season, James. Let's kick it off with some questions for this episode. What two Diana insults does Carla not want to apologise for? For some context, Carla now feels sorry for Diane because basically Diane is embarrassed in the public eye because Sam has chosen someone else. And Carla feels a bit sorry for her and she wants to apologise for her insults, but then she retracts some because then Carla feels vulnerable and you know she wants to appear more powerful than Diane. What two Diane insults does Carla not include in this apology? Is it about her bad hair dye? No. Oh, I don't know. Lizard lips and that she has a personality that she can store meat in. <laughs> Cold. During the press conference when Sam's asked about his future with Janet, what does he say that he sees in their future? Movie? Yeah, he says they thought I'd grab a pizza and catch a movie on the tube later. Which is quite a good response. Smooth. Fair, fair, you answered the question. Put that on the headline. You'll never believe what Sam and Janet have planned for their future. It's pizza. Speaking of food, what dinner is Donna cooking for Norm? Uh, A lovely roast turkey. And there'll be no dressing. (sighs) Oh my. Is it it warm in the Peterson house or is it just Norm? (laughs) Or is it just the turkey? It's just the turkey. Nobody wants cold turkey. When uh, Diane is told that it's for press only, for the conference, to ask questions, and after she does say, yeah, uh, thought it was America, she then makes up a journal article that she's been writing for, or a paper that she represents. Do you know the name of the paper? Is it something like Hurley's Market Shopper's Guide? Yeah. After Woody tells Diane that her and Sam are two of her favourite people, he then lists some other people who may be more favourite. He starts talking about his eighth grade teacher, but what was his name? Oh, I don't know the name. All I knew was that it was his teacher. It was Mr. Thorndike. He admits that Mr. Thorndike was less preferred than Sam and Diane because he always smelled funny. <laughs> bit harsh. 
as we've alluded, there's not many political questions asked in the press conference, but there is one. What is Janet's top political priority for her next two years in office? I'm going to say something like vague, cleaning up the city. That's how all politicians want to do. <laughs> Make the city a better place. Uh, it's mass transit, seeing that Boston has the finest system in this country or die trying. So a monorail. Fair enough. That's the last call of the bar, James, ahead of our season review in two weeks' time. I mean, uh, how are we going to pick a, a drink to toast this season off? Oh, it's a good question. It's a tough one. I think now that it's reached four seasons, we've had a sherry before, and we can <laughs> safely say uh, with cheers, I can't keep my eyes off of you. But what drink should we have? A water pistol, perhaps? <laughs> or, or an undressed turkey? Uh... <laughs> I think I, I think I'd rather water pistol. But what are we gonna fill it with? Champagne. Uh, champagne water pistol. Oh uh, yeah, I'll go for that. A champagne water pistol. Yeah, that sounds decadent. <laughs> sounds very classy. Yeah. What are we gonna toast to? I thought when we toasted the last episode, we toasted to the future, and we were toasting to how we'd have a lot of questions answered by this episode. I feel like we've got more questions, James. I think who we can toast to is Donna. There's a lovely song about Donna by Ten CC. We'll stick it in the playlist. Why not? But what we've learned in this episode is that Donna is actually a sweet girl who's just a bit more carefree. She's not trying to seduce anyone. Take your mind out the gutter, Norm. And, and Cliff. And everyone whose mind's in the gutter. You know, as you said about cleaning up the city, it's because all those minds are stuck in gutters everywhere, John. <laughs> Street sweepers don't know what to do. But yeah, Donna turns out to actually be lovely. Raise our water pistols of champagne to Norm's extended family. I think before we leave this episode, we should hear the final line once more. And so we can contemplate a bit more before we come back in two weeks time with our season four review. Oh, what the hell? Will you, will you marry me? And as, as we hear those words, we'll contemplate. We'll bring a lot of discussion around these lines and the future cheers when we review the full season four in two weeks time. We look forward to talking to you then. So what should we say, James? This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.